Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastside.co. How y'all doing? <laughs> that was, that inspired confidence. All right. <laughs> Woo! There we go. There we go. I need a hype man. Where was Brock? Brock was supposed to be my hype man. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm Jesus' hype man. So, got my Bible here. That's important, right? If you're going to preach, you better have your Bible. I got something here for an object lesson, right? When you preach, you better have an object lesson. I got my cell phone, just in case any Pokemon show up. (laughs) I'm going to catch them. Oh boy. You know what's you know what's even worse than that is I have at the top of my notes Pokemon joke. And uh my <laughs> and <laughs> you know you can't over prepare. So a couple <laughs> well a few weeks ago um Michael when he preached it really had a, an impact on me and you know, it's funny because he brought that biscuit out. How many of you guys were here that Sunday morning? He had that biscuit, right? And he talked about he had had this biscuit for like three years. It was just sitting there, and it was stale and everything, but it looked exactly the same, right? Three years, there was no mold, no mildew, no grody stuff growing on it or nothing. It wasn't disintegrating. It looked like a perfect sausage biscuit, right? Well, I got home, and that got me thinking. Michael was like, oh, well, we don't really have a, anything to, he didn't have a point for it. He just brought it up and showed it because he wanted to show it. Yeah, there was no object lesson to it. But that got me thinking when I got home, and I was like, you know what? There's something important with that biscuit. And then I looked on my counter, and there was something really stale sitting on my counter. But then... I looked over and saw some M&Ms, and I got hungry. So I ate the M&Ms. So we're still not going to know what the object lesson about that biscuit was. But I got some M&Ms. That's it. Now to the message. (laughs) All right. So... The title of the message, and now, now I'm for real. Now I got the Michael Food reference line crossed off on my notes, too. So, the message tonight, and this is going to be such a weird juxtaposition, it's called The Power of Pain, okay? So, probably shouldn't start off a message about pain with jokes, but hey, what you going to do? It's me. So, who here has been hurt or injured? Anybody? I've been hurt, injured, you know, and you can take that however you want to take it, emotionally, physically, whatever. Who, you know, what's an example? Someone give me an example of their injury. Marana. 
Yeah, Miranda ran into me while she was skiing and broke her knee. That's true. There was an injury, but you learned something through that, didn't you? Don't run into me. <laughs> Who else has an example? Who else wants to give an example of a time when they were injured? Frank. Frank tore his ACL while jumping on a trampoline. So how many times have you jumped on a trampoline since then without warming up? Or I, I don't know. How do you jump on trampolines? Do you warm up to jump on a trampoline? Maybe you should. <laughs> no, you haven't? Okay. Well, that was probably smart. You learned something from tearing your ACL. Who else here has been injured? Michael, when were you injured? I, I don't believe you. Who else has been injured? Any, Michael broke his nose playing baseball. And what did you do wrong? What caused you to get your nose broken? Okay, so you did something stupid and you got hurt, right? He wasn't good and you weren't thinking about how bad he was, so you got hurt. When we do things, right, we get injured. Sometimes we screw up, we get injured. Sometimes we don't even really screw up, but something happens. We can get hurt, we can get injured. When that happens, we kind of learn something from it, right? We, we, we adjust our behavior, or <laughs> some people don't, but we should adjust our behaviors so that the next time a situation occurs, we, we, we don't get injured. A lot of us do that, right? Raise your hand if you, you know, if you do something and you get hurt, maybe you do, do it a little different next time, right? You don't do the same thing that causes you to get hurt, right? Okay. I, I hope so. And if you've been doing the same thing and keep getting hurt, stop. Do something different, okay? Let me just encourage you. Um, but we learn a lot through pain, through trials, through suffering, right? Has anybody here ever done any sort of like a uh, endurance activity? Anybody here ever trained for a marathon? Bethany? It hurts, doesn't it? It does. It cause, but... You get better, right? You, you, you work through the pain, and the pain causes you to grow, and you are able to endure longer and longer distances. You build up, but you don't improve unless you go through pain, right? Same thing with weightlifting. Physical examples are, are pretty easy because we can see that pretty readily, the examples of how when we go through and allow ourselves to go through, you know, this controlled exercise, these, these, these things that are they're, they're painful, they, they cause a lot of pain. There's, there's nothing fun, at least in my experience, about running. I've done it before because of the benefits, but I, I don't think I was enjoying it. But I enjoyed the benefits of it, right? So sometimes we get injured. Things happen to us. We change what we do. We learn from it, and we grow from what we learn. Sometimes we subject ourselves to pain, and we grow through that. And sometimes... I think about Philip, my son. He's two and a half years old. And there's sometimes when we're doing something, you know, we'll be outside playing or whatever, and he'll start doing something that he shouldn't be doing. I'll tell him, I'll say, Philip, you need to stop. And, okay. And then two minutes later, he might start doing it again. And I'm like, Philip, you need to stop. You're going to get hurt. You're going to fall. You're going to bust your lip. You're going to bust your knee, something. Okay. And he'll just keep doing it. And I say, all right, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not going to say it again. I'm not going to, like, tell you and 
you, you know, I'm not going to, like, keep repeating myself, and I'm going to let him learn. So he runs, and he falls, and he busts his face and scrapes his knee. You know, I'm there to make sure that it's not something more serious than that. But I let him go through that. I let him get hurt because he learned something from that. He learned something about maybe at that point he's learning how to run better, right? Maybe he's not picking his feet up enough. Or maybe he's not watching where he's going the right way. Maybe he's doing, you know, whatever it is, but there's something about the way he's running, because I can run in circles and generally not, you know, fall over and bust my face, but he can't, <laughs> generally. Not saying it hasn't happened. Christmas 2005, I was running, hauling butt, hit a patch of ice, slipped, busted my face. That was painful. But I learned when it's dark outside and you're Christmas caroling and it's below freezing, don't run when there might be ice. I learned. Philip learned by what I, I let him go through. It was painful. I don't like seeing my son get hurt. But I know that the benefit of allowing him to go through that is that he's going to be hurt less. If I'm constantly trying to stop him, then maybe he's, you know, now two feet taller by the time he learns that lesson. And when he gets hurt, instead of just cutting his lip, he loses all his front teeth. So better for me to let him get hurt when he's, you know, whatever, this tall, than when he's this tall, right? The, the pain, the, the stuff that we go through, it teaches us something. It, we learn through it. Our trials refine us, and they refine our faith. I'm going to read Zechariah 13.9. If you got your Bible, feel free to turn to Zechariah. Chapter 13, verse 9. I mean, you don't have to. I'm going to read it. So you can let me read it to you, the sweet, dulcet tones of Mr. Bulo reading Scripture to you. Um, <laughs> says, I will bring one-third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord is my God. A lot of times, the pain that we go through, we're going through a process of refining. God, you know, I, and I'll be honest with you, I was struggling a little bit with this, and I don't know the answer. God lets us get injured, right? I didn't go out and push Philip down, right? That would be sick. Um, but I let him go through it. What does God letting us get refined look like? I don't know, but it says God refines us. God put his people through a refining fire. And at the end, he said, this is my people. And he spoke back to them. Or they spoke back to him, and they said, the Lord is my God. Look at the example of Israel. Is, Y'all remember why Israel was in Egypt in the first place? Who remembers? Someone just say it. Why was Israel in Egypt in the first place? How did they get there? The famine. And what was, what was in Egypt? Food. The Israelites were in Egypt initially because that's where God's provision was, right? He called them there, and it turned into a cauldron of suffering, right? That's what, it, it went from being this great place of abundance where God kept his people alive 
And after 400 years, all of a sudden, it, not all of a sudden, it was a gradual process over 400 years, but it became a terrible place to be. God's people were enslaved. And they were going through suffering. They were, they were enduring all kinds of stuff from the Egyptians as their slaves. But let's look at what Zechariah 13, 9, nope, that's the one we just read. Deuteronomy 4. That's where we're going. It's bad when I still go in my head. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay, to find the spot. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be his people and inheritance as you are to this day. He has brought you out of the iron furnace. The Lord was refining the Israelites while they were in Egypt. <laughs> and then they got out. There was, a little, there was about 40 more years left of refinement to do, right? It was like you pulled the loaf out of the oven. It's not quite done. You stick it back in for another 10 minutes. Kind of what happened with the, with the Israelites coming out of Egypt. You got to put them back in. They got to go through the wilderness. And part of going through the wilderness was for them to realize their dependence on God. It was for them to realize, you know, they went through all that suffering for 400 years. And it took another 40 years of them being out of that suffering for them to learn what the lesson was supposed to be for them being in that suffering all along in the first place. God was refining them to make them his people. God, God put them in Egypt. Now, did God abuse his people? No. But God brought them there, right? He brought them to the place where they would experience suffering. Why would God do that? Why would... <laughs> Why would God bring us to suffering? And the answer is pretty easy, right? He wants to refine us. The thing is, that goes, that's so counterintuitive to what we, how we view suffering, how we view pain, right? We view pain as something that, let me make sure I say it right. For us, we view, we view pain as something that we, um, that we go through and that we put up with, right? We're, we're, we're going to endure it because that's just the way life is. So I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to come out at least neutral for God, right? Like I'm going to come out at least... I want to go through my pain and suffering, and I want to come out at least at the same level with the same relationship with God that I had when I went into it, because then at least I didn't lose anything to the suffering, right? We, that, that's kind of how we, we, we like to view it, and that's if you're, like, actively pursuing. Some of us, we want to shrink back, and it's like pain and suffering. It's like, oh, and then you just, okay, let me hide in the corner. <laughs> Pull out the bottle of wine. Time to drown my sorrows. Right? That's not, but that's not what we're supposed to do. What does James 1, 2 through 3 say? This is an easy one. Y'all remember this one? That's right, Bethany. I'm still going to read it. 
I had to start out with big jokes because this is not really a fun message. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So, what we view it as we are going to rejoice and we're going to have joy in spite of our trials. At least that's how I viewed it for a long time. But that's not what God says to do. He says rejoice when you encounter trials of many kinds. He doesn't say rejoice in spite of your trials. If, he, if God meant rejoice in spite of your trials, God would have said rejoice in spite of your trials. He's good like that. He can get his point across. But what he said was rejoice when you encounter trials of many kind because the knowing and the testing of your faith produces patience. What does Romans 5, 3 say? And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. We glory in tribulations. It does not say we glory in spite of tribulations. It says we glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Don't rejoice in spite of your trials. Rejoice in your trials. Rejoice because God saw fit to turn you into something better than who you are today. Rejoice because God allowed you to go through pain so that you would be better than you were then, so that you could know him more, so that your faith would be tested and you could be put through that refining fire. Don't rejoice in spite of your tribulations. Rejoice because of your tribulations, because your tribulations make you the person you are in God's eyes, because we are born with sin. And we're born into an evil world. And God puts us through those things so that all that stuff can fall away. It can crack and it can fall off. We can go through that pain and come out the other side better, stronger, and closer to him for it. That's, what, that's why we experience these things. Over and over and over again in Scripture, if you start looking, look up refiner's fire. Look up the things about when, when we walk through difficult times. God, why? And then we say, we get so confused because God, why would you have me walk through these difficult times? It's because God wants you to be more like him. God wants you to become more like him. He wants you to walk in authority. He wants you to understand who you are in him. And as long as you're saddled with all your baggage and all your crap, you can't be more like God. So he puts us into trials. He doesn't just send us out there and then hope it doesn't happen. He puts us in the middle of it. Just like he put the Israelites in the middle of Egypt. And what was provision became slavery. But through that, they became the people that were ready to inherit the promised land. We're not going to inherit what God has for us unless we endure the trials that he sets before us. I've seen so many people, myself included, 
over and, and, I, and I'll, I'll tell you stories. But stuff happens and things get hard and things get really tough. And the knee-jerk reaction is to leave. Right? Our knee-jerk reaction is to flee the situation. And I did that several times when I was young, when I was in middle school, when I was a teenager. But I tell you, I learned quick that just because you walk away from a problem, just because you avoid an issue, doesn't mean that that issue disappears. Because the reason that issue is in your life is because God wants you to learn from it and grow from it and become someone better because of it. And if we don't learn that lesson there, you can move out to Timbuktu and that lesson's going to pop back up on your doorstep until you learn to deal with it, until you learn to walk through it the way that God wants you to walk through it, until you're ready to sit in the fire and don't run, because it's going to hurt, it's going to burn, but God never promised that nothing was going to hurt. He just promised you relationship with him, and he promised you hope for eternity, and he set that before you just like he set that before his son, and it was good enough for Christ to motivate him to endure suffering on the cross. It should be enough for us to sit in the middle of that refining fire and endure whatever God puts in our way so that we can learn from it and grow from it and be closer to him through it. We get one chance. God, you know, gives us multiple chances, but you have one life. Are you, do we want to spend our lives running from trials? Do we want to spend our lives running from discomfort? Because I promise you, if you do that, when you die, hopefully you had family around you that loves you, but you're not going to have a legacy. What will you have done with your life on this earth? And the answer is if you, if you keep running from your trial, running from the pain, you'll, you, you won't have anything. And it'll be like what Paul talked about in Corinthians. It'll be like those people that get to God and they come like, and they show up naked, having everything been burned. Everything that they had was burned away, except for them. They made it. Their spirit, they, they gave over to God, but everything that they did, it was lost because it was fruitless, because it had nothing to bear for eternity. I don't want to show up on God's doorstep butt naked and charred. <laughs> I don't think God wants me to show up on his doorstep butt naked and charred, <laughs> even though he's seen me naked, so it's okay. <laughs> he still loves me, too. It's amazing. Um, but guys, that's the paradigm shift. That's really the, the crux of the message tonight is don't run from your pain. You know, I said it's the power of pain, right? Pain has power. Pain has power to refine us. That's what our refining fire is. And what is God? What is, what is, uh, I think it's 12, Hebrews 12, the end. What's the last verse of Hebrews 12? It says our God is a consuming fire, Right? His love, he loves us enough. Listen to that, guys. He loves you enough to put you through the pain, to let you walk through it. Paul said, I count it all joy. Let 
when I encounter trials of many kinds. I think Paul said that, pretty sure. I might be merging verses there. I hope not. <laughs> but we go, we go through that. We endure it for the joy set before us because it produces in us patience, character, perseverance, which all lead to hope. And we can't run from it. And let me, y'all know the parable of the talents, right? Y'all remember the owner dude giving out talents? He was getting ready to take off, you know, go to the Caribbean for a few years, hang out on his boat. He had worked hard all his life, made a bunch of money. Had some servants taking care of the vineyard. All right, boys, I'm going to give you ten talents, you five talents, and you one talent. And I'm going to go away. Y'all do your thing with it. Make me some more money. And, uh, you know, when I come back, you know, make sure you've done something good. And the guy with ten multiplied it. The guy with five, he multiplied it. And the guy with one, what did he do? He buried it. He was scared. He was scared of the master. However many talents you think you have in your life. There's something else. Your life is the talent. Don't squander it. Don't squander your life in the name of comfort and convenience. Only so that you can show up and God looks at you cross-eyed like, what were you doing? I said over and over and over again in here that you are going to have trials, but rejoice because they're going to make you more like me. And you were so afraid of my reaction, and you were so afraid of the pain that you went and you hid. You hid somewhere, you piled up all your money and all your material things, and you said, whew, okay, I'm comfortable. Thank the Lord. And you've, in reality, you've squandered your life. I don't... I don't want to, I, I don't know how it works, guys. I mean, you know when we die, I know we go to heaven, right? I don't know all the steps. Some people say they know all the steps and what happens in years. Of, I, I don't know. They're smarter than me, apparently, because they know all the steps. I don't know them. But we're going to be face-to-face with God. And when I show up, man, I just want to have invested my life well. I want to have put my time, my money, my effort, my love into things that matter. If the only place that I direct my love and my affection is my wife and my son and God, what have I done? The whole point I'm here, the whole point that he gave his Holy Spirit to us is so that we can shine You know, everybody says we're like the moon, right? Reflecting the light of the sun. No, we're not. We are the sun. God put his light inside of us. He said, you'll shine like a city on a hill. Don't cover it up. His love is more than enough for you to be able to love your family wholly and fully and still love people outside of that as well. Don't hoard your love. Don't hoard your actions. Don't hoard your labor. All these things, don't hoard them up for yourself because it's the equivalent of taking that one little talent and burying it in the ground. But I promise you, if you take that love that you have 
And if you take the time that you have and you take the energy and the effort that you have and you pour them back out into things that God deems worthy, if you pour them back out into things that God finds value in, like people, like love, and like worship, it will be multiplied. Just like the parable of the talents, when those guys invested it, it was returned back to them. If you hoard your love, you're gonna, that love is going to shrink away from you. But if you pour it out, if you spread it around, if you sow the seeds of the gospel of Christ, and all that that means, then it's going to be, it, then love will abound. Your love will multiply both back to you and to the world around you. But that's not going to happen if you squander it. And if we run from pain, and if we want run from trials, we're going to squander it. It's, it, it, it's, it's twofold. Right? We need to be giving it out, but when those trials and those tribulations come, we need to sit. We need to, we need to stay in that place. Wait there until God's finished with you. And when he's finished with you, he'll tell you. And, and if you don't hear him, he'll get you out of the fire, I promise. Because I've been there before. Listen, I was in a terrible, terrible situation, in a horrible relationship. Not a romantic relationship, but it was a different kind of a relationship. But I was in this really, really bad relationship. And I, don't, I honestly don't know when God was telling me to get out of it, if, if, he, if he even did. But I tell you, when it got, I, I refused to leave because I, I had learned my lesson years and years ago. And I said, I'm not, I'm not getting out of this thing. I'm not just going to step out because I'm not going to quit. And I don't know what I'm supposed to learn from this. And I kept insisting that I was going to learn something. And finally, I think God just said, Art, man, all right, I'm going to get you out. <laughs> he said, he, he said your lesson was done like a year ago, and you must not have heard me, but get out of there. And so he took me out, you know, because even in our ignorance, God's going to be faithful to us. If you, you, that's a good point. You don't need to worry about sitting in the fire, and God's going to forget about you in the fire. Okay? God's not going to forget about you in the middle of it. I promise. Cross my heart. I'll give you the same promise I gave when I, Asked everybody to go out and do outreach, right? And I said, if you, if, if, if you didn't feel that that was a worthwhile thing after you did it, you could come punch me in the face. Same thing. If you feel like God has abandoned you in the fire, and you can prove it. I'm going to ask for some proof on that one. Then you can come and punch me in the face. <laughs> I promise. God's not going to abandon you in the fire. He is going to refine you in the fire. He's going to make you into a man or woman of God that he has created you to be. God wants to make you into a conqueror, right? We are victorious. It's like what Brandon preached a couple weeks ago, right? He said there, or I guess it was a couple months ago at this point, but it's that, that victory, but there's no, there's no victory without battle, right? We, we have, we, you can't call yourself a victor if you're not fighting the battle and part of what comes at that battle is the trials and the tribulations. It's not about doing just enough, taking that one little piece and running to your corner of the world and saying, all right, I'm good, I'm comfortable. 
now I'm just going to, you know, hopefully I make it and have enough, give some to my kids. So just don't, guys, don't let your life become that. Let your life be about more than that. Leave a legacy. Be refined. Let yourself become, go through that process. Go through the pain. Rejoice in the pain. Don't rejoice in spite of the pain. Rejoice because of the pain. Because at, at the end of it, in each step, each step of the cauldron that you come through, you get to that next step, and all of a sudden you're more like Jesus because of it. You look more like him. You walk, you talk, you think more like him. And all of a sudden you're responding to people more like he would. The authority that he carries is showing up more and more in your life. Your prayers all of a sudden are becoming more and more effective because they're more and more effective because there's less and less of all that crap that got burned that that's still there. More and more of it got burned away, and all of a sudden there's that clearer and clearer communication. You're hearing from God more clearly. You want to know how to grow. Stop running from the fire. Father God, we thank you that you love us enough to discipline us. And you love us enough to allow us to be in situations and even put us in situations, Lord, where we're going to experience pain and trials. But Lord, we thank you that that makes us more like you. We thank you, Father God, that you, you've promised it in your word. And we see over and over, you refined your people in the Old Testament. We see over and over again, you, your apostles, writing and talking about the refiner's fire, about rejoicing in trials and tribulations. And Lord, I pray, it's easy to say, but it's hard to live. And I pray that you would make it real in our hearts. That the mentality, that old lodged mindset that we have, that we're going to rejoice in spite of our trials would be changed. That we would rejoice because of our trials. Because those trials produce patience and perseverance and character. And all of that leads to hope. Lord, make us more like you. Change our minds so that the next time we encounter those trials, that we would rejoice that our heart would well up, and instead of focusing on the pain and focusing on the suffering, that we would focus instead on what it's making us and who it's making us more like, and that's you. I pray that all things in our life would point us back to you. I pray, Father God, that you would not relent, that you would not back off, that even when we don't do this perfectly and even when we mess up, that you would continue to pursue us continue to put us in those positions to make us more like you. And I pray that for every person here. And if there's anybody here that's been running, Father God, I pray that you would give them revelation. If they keep running from painful situation to painful situation, Lord, I pray that you would give them courage to stop, to sit, and to learn, and to be refined and become more like you. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for that person, those people, whoever they are, I pray that you would wrap them up and give them peace in the midst of that. Because even in that fire, Father God, we're still not without your peace. And even when we're rejoicing in our suffering, we still have your peace surrounding us. And just like your children, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael were in the furnace, you showed up in there with them. 
we don't walk through it alone. You walked through it before us. You walked through the fire before us. And now you walk through it again with us. And we thank you for that. You are our Lord and our shepherd. We shall not want. We love you. We praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, please visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.